This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Well, Gordon, next week the Jets have their mandatory mini. This week the Giants have OTAs, and this is day two of the OTAs. And all eyes are on, well, kind of Daniel Jones, but more so Saquon Barkley. And he's and here's the one thing about him, Gordon, and I will give him credit. He uses comments from the media, comments on Twitter as a rallying cry. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to do. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Everybody wants to know what I'm going to do. I'm ready to go. He, he's not sensitive like another superstar who plays for the Brooklyn Nets. But he is, he does use it to fuel. And a lot of athletes use different things to fuel themselves. Uh, I'm very curious to see how he's going to respond because everybody knows this is a big year for him, Gordon. They they desperately need him to try to help uh, Daniel Jones get better and, and to make a decision on what they're going to do going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he does have a lot to say, and I would say he has a lot more to prove because the last couple of years has not been able to stay healthy, has not been the player that he looked like in year one where he was the offensive rookie of the year. Even though he was the offensive rookie of the year, the Giants still stunk. Uh, I think that the call has, you know, sometimes we say you got to give it a year on a draft pick. You got to give it three years. You got to give it five years. I think it's clear at this point, while Saquon is a great guy and might be a good player when healthy, it was the wrong pick at the time. So it's interesting to me that he's a guy who keeps saying uh, something along the lines of, you know, what's written about me, what's said about me, that it's it's BS. You know, when, when, when I turn it around, make sure you stay on the side that you are on. There, it, that's not BS to say he has been a disappointment. Mm-hmm. And it's not BS to say that that was the wrong pick for the Giants at that period of time. So it's almost like if he goes out and has some spectacular year this year, it might be a bit of a curse in terms of, and not a blessing because the Giants are going to have a decision to make on a guy who had been the second pick in a draft. We all know what happens to running backs as they age. And this is a guy who's looking for a big time contract. And those contracts generally do not age well. No, they don't. And especially when it is a running back who's had injury issues, that's a major concern. And so, of course, you know what he was asked today, Gordon? On mm-hmm. the doubters, do you want to tell them that you're back? Here's what Saquon had to say. Nah, um, like I said before, uh, it's, it's really early, so I I, I, don't, I can't make too many predictions uh, for you know for the future. But it is what it is. I think I said before, uh, when the table's turned, just make sure you're inside that table. Let's stay on that side. Huh? It is. It is. Never get too low. Never get too high. Stay like this and just keep working. Well, listen, that, that's the way you should be. But, Gordon, I don't know that you can really be that way. And there's got to be, and I wouldn't expect him to say so, but there's got to be some doubts, right? There's got to be some doubts with how you try to fight back from injury. How Will you have that burst? Will you be able to do the things you did before? There's always got to be that little spirit of doubt in the back of your mind. And to be honest, it's still there until he takes a couple of hits. It's still going to yeah. be there. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Look, whatever he has to do to motivate himself – albeit Uh, I would just kind of keep that under wraps and and not bring it up because this is a guy who played two games two years ago and then last year if you go back and watch the games if you remember the games Devontae Booker better might have been better I think he was better than Saquon last year Saquon while he might have rushed for 600 yards he did so at a 3.7 clip 
This is not a guy who is trending in the right direction, even at the age of 24, 25. So, look, again, anything you got to do to motivate yourself, whether it's real, whether it's imagined, we all know the deal there. But, you know, to, for, for Saquon to make it out like he has been um, unfairly judged based on his production, that's simply not the case. And look, we always say it all the time. If fans are booing or fans are upset with a player or, or a performance, it's because they want to cheer. So if he goes out there and has an unbelievable year, rushes for 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns, and the Giants are a much better team, yeah, all those people that feel like that was the wrong pick, they'll be cheering you because that's what they're looking. They want to cheer, but it doesn't make – I don't know necessarily that it makes it go back and say that was the right pick at the time, even if he's good this year. Well, one of the folks who hope to help him get back – is the big fella out of Alabama, Evan Neal. And he was at the Giants facility, and Saquon said as soon as he saw him, uh, he started to feel better about things. With Neal, with Evan, uh, I mean, selfishly as a running back any time you, you draft uh, a guy like that, he's going to put a smile on your face. I kind of met him. I think I told some of you guys before. He was like, I didn't meet him. He was coming in for like a visit or something like that. He was walking through, and I was just like, golly, like, who is that? Like, we need that guy on our team. And uh, thank, thankfully, we were able to draft him. So I'm really excited for him to be on our team and what he's going to be able to do and help this team in the future. Listen, he's seen some questionable line play <laughs> in his career. Absolutely. So, so I'm sure when he saw, I'm sure when he saw Neil, he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could, I'm feeling better already. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that was one of the reasons why it was a mistake at the time, right? The Giants exactly. had this terrible offensive line, and rather than fixing the offensive line first and then getting the running back somewhere else, they decided to flip-flop it and, and get the running back and think that that was going to improve the line, and it has not. So, I mean, I, I do think that based on the improvement that we have seen last year and the fact that they went out and drafted Evan Neal where they did, you would have to think that this is going to be the best offensive line that Saquon Barkley has run mm -hmm. behind in his mm -hmm. time with the Giants. I don't think yeah. that's really up for debate. And that's a very low bar. <laughs> right, exactly. That's why. I don't think it's up for debate. And if it's not, well, then we really oh, – I mean, oh, we have man. colossal problems. Exactly. Oh. We have colossal problems for the Giants. If, they, if This is not the best stuff. So it's almost like – I don't know if I were a Giant fan what I, I – look, you want the player to do well. You want the team to do well. But I think that it's not a balanced scale 50-50 in if Saquon has a good year, they'll, mm. you know, what they'll do with the contract. Because I think for the Giants, this is a guy who was the second pick in the draft. He's a good kid. He represents the organization perfectly. All the good things that you could want. But again, we have seen how these contracts age. And this is, he's not a guy who is trending in the right direction from his rookie year Every single year, I mean, the one year he got hurt, he didn't play at all. But the, the yards per average is going in the wrong direction. And this is a guy who's 25 years old. So if he goes out and has this monument, a huge season contract year, I think the Giants will probably have their, their fingers on the scale a little bit to bring him back. And I don't know necessarily that that's the right move. Or they'll move him in the middle of the season. <laughs> I guess they could, right? I don't know how much the market for running backs is. Um, if somebody, but, if, if yeah, he gets real good. might be an interested party, sure. You know, they can move him because Gordon, they don't need to have him back. No. They don't. They need so much. And their, and their salary situation, their cap is in such bad shape. They need to move. They may have to move on from him for financial reasons more than anything else. Because right. how well, would you pay him? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. 
remember in the offseason, you know, a lot of the Giants' problems cap-wise this offseason could have been fixed if they would have been able to move his – I think it's $6 million, $7 million, yeah. whatever it is. That would have fixed a lot of their problems. Yeah. Nobody was willing to give them anything for him. So, right. you know, it, it can all be good and well to, for, the, for, the, for the Giants to be saying now, oh, we, we really didn't want to move him in. If they would have got a representative offer for you know his his type of player, they they probably would have jumped at that because that would have they were so hamstrung this off season that it's almost like you can't really judge the new regime this year because they were tearing down all the old stuff from the old regime. Yeah, but to be fair, if I'm a, if I'm another GM, I don't know what he can do. At least no, if I absolutely. see him and he's running, maybe. And I say, okay, maybe I can see. Okay, I see something is there. Maybe it's some of the old spark is back. Maybe I'm, and I have to take advantage. I have to take into consideration the offensive line play, the play of the quarterback. I mean, I'm looking Dayball. Maybe you know, maybe his creativity. I mean, there's so many things that you that you have to look at. But the number one thing for him is his availability, his health. And so if he is able to play and able to run and able to do something that's representative, I mean, he'll bet on himself, Gordon. He'll take a one-year deal. Yeah. Um, I would think well, he would take a one-year deal just to show what I can do and then come, go full force and, and try to get back where he can make some money. Well, look, I, I, maybe that does turn out that way for him. Maybe some team is out there willing to you know, make a, a big offer, at least on paper, and it really will be dependent about how much he plays and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. I think the secret is kind of out in the NFL about running backs. We've seen better running backs with more accomplished careers have trouble getting paid from the organizations that they yeah. were already with. Yep. So and 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 it's very rare that those contracts turn out to be like letting those guys go. It's very rare that those guys it, it turns out to be a mistake to let them go. So we shall see with the Giants. Plenty of drama. Always always the case. Before we hear from Brian Dable on Saquon Barkley and, and and you're correct when you say this is really a, a free season for them. Yes. In the, in the sense of nobody expects much from them. Now, obviously, they have their own goals within the organization. They're not taking a free season, obviously, because they, they want to build. They want to show the new kids in town. They want to show what they can do. They want to show some improvement with the people they have. But basically, you're not really expecting anything from this Giants team. No. If, if you're Brian Dayball, though, what – what do you need to see from Daniel Jones to make you say, you know what, maybe maybe it, let me keep him. Maybe I can do something with him. Maybe I can do something. Maybe if I put him in this type of situation, I can make him better. Because, Gordon, we've seen on numerous occasions quarterbacks under, with different, different coaches, different schemes, they look like different players. <laughs> they, they just do. So with a guy who has a track record, and once again, I'm comparing the situation, not the quarterbacks. Once again, with the track record of what you saw him take a Josh Allen from the beginning to what Josh Allen is now, okay, and he clearly is not the same quarterback he was when he first walked, stepped on the field in Buffalo. He has taken it up several notches. Is there a scenario where Dayball could have, along with surrounding him with a little more talent, just – tighten up some things with Daniel Jones so that, you know what, maybe they surprise some people and they're a little better than what you think they are. It almost has to be a night and day difference. It almost has to be, he has to play at a level. And, and look, it's, it, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I'm mm-hmm. not going to give you specific numbers, but it almost has to be that we get to a point in the season where we're like, who is this guy? Where has this guy been? And it, it's almost like he has to get back to, 
where he was in his rookie season in terms of overall production while also not regressing in turning the football over. Like that first year, he threw 24 touchdowns. He threw for 3,000 yards that first year. Since then, but the problem was he was constantly turning the ball over. He had 12 interceptions. He had a bunch of fumbles. I don't remember how many fumbles he had. It was like eight or nine. It seemed like, you know, he couldn't hold on to the football. Now, in the years since then, he has done a better job of protecting the football, but it's been, they've been so conservative that you cannot play offense in the NFL at that level. So it's almost like you're asking two things. He has to keep the, the turnovers at a minimum while also taking more chances. And you would think that there's at least a possibility of that because they do have better skill position players around him. And you, we all kind of agree they have a better offensive line. But I think it almost has to be the type of – it can't just be like baby steps forward. It has to be mm. the type of thing that you're like, wow, who this, – this is the guy we thought we were getting in Daniel Jones. Not, you know, just not passing, right. but running the ball and really leading the offense, which – I mean, they, they've been the worst offense the last couple of – I mean, they have been dreadful the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah, it, they've been bad. There's no question. Terrible. They, 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 they've been awful. And, you know, I mean, so bad to the point that they were like, you know – not trying to pass out of their own end zone. <laughs> oh, I mean, that, well, look, there, there, nothing will ever be. We could live to be 100 years old, and we will never see an offense that was worse than those last whatever. Whenever he went down last year, those last six or seven games, oh, my God. It, it was each week I would look at what the line was, and the Giants would be underdogs by eight, by ten. I'd say, are the Giants going to score ten points? No, probably not. They're not going to. And it almost seemed like at times they weren't even trying to score. Ten. They were just trying to get through the games as quickly as possible, as painlessly as possible, and just get through it. Uh, it was not like they were even trying last year at the end. They, they made your poop list a lot, didn't they? Oh, my. They, the, the poop <laughs> rankings, the polar opposite of power rankings in the NFL. Yeah, they were very high up. Very, very well representative. We have not had a polar opposite of power rankings any week, Larry, that has not featured at least the Jets or the Giants. And, of course, most of the time, it's featured both. For a couple of years now, right? Yeah, for a couple <laughs> of years. Yeah, I mean, it's been steady. There's been, you know, there's been little glimmers of hope where you're like, okay, that they can come off, you know, after the, maybe the Giants won that game in New Orleans maybe last year. I, maybe mm-hmm. I took them off for a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. They're right back there by the end of the season. (laughs) By the end of the season, they're right back where they started. They found their way. And I'll just say this, not to interrupt, but, um, you know, like last year with the Jets, new regime, new coach. Mm -hmm. Now, they had a new quarterback, so it was a little bit different, but nobody had any expectations at all about the Jets last year. Nobody's been putting a win total on it outside just to say it has to be, it has to look better than it did under Adam Gase. And sure enough, it did. They doubled their win total. I think that's kind of the same thing. You know, I think that the Giants' Adam Gase was Dave Gettleman. So if you're moving mm. on from him in year one, I think that that's a fair thing to say. I have no expectations in terms of wins and losses this year. And really, I think the, Jet, the Giants actually have more of a hindrance because their cap situation was so bad, they yeah. couldn't do really anything this offseason. So I think it's going to be a complete work in progress. And it's really like before you can build the new house, you have to tear down the wreckage of the old one. They got a lot of reconstruction to do. A lot of reconstruction. They really do. Now they have. Some, yeah. I think they have some nice pieces. I think they, they have, do. Overall, they're probably more talented than the Jets were last year. Mm-hmm. They were. But first year head coach, we, you know, we never know. Yeah, and and that, and it's different, right? That that's the one thing. It's different. It's not just one side of the ball. 
you're, you're responsible for the whole team. Even on the days that you're calling plays, and I don't know whether he's going to call the plays or what, what he's going to do, whether he's going to leave the play calling to somebody else or not, me and Brian Dayball, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's different. That first year is a huge difference from just sitting up there just worrying about, you know, man, I've got Diggs, I've got Allen, I've got all these weapons. Ooh, what am I going to throw this time? What am I going to do this time? What am I going to do? Oh, this is a little different. <laughs> this is yeah, totally this different. Is, yeah, this is this is walking in the door and saying, all right, let, let me see what I got first before I start making plans. Yeah. Um, that's the way it's going to be this year. And and look, I, and I think for the Giants, like every fan wants you to, oh, I want to win this many games. Sure. I think they're over under is seven. I, I want to see them win seven games. I want to see them win eight games. If I could give Brian Dable is new to this area. If I could give him and Joe Shane any piece of advice, if you're going to have a bad year, have it be the first year. Mm-hmm. People will be forgiving in that first year. But if you exceed expectations in that first year, you don't get to regress. That's the new starting point. Perfect example, the Knicks this past year, right? Mm-hmm. Tibbs comes into town, no yep. expectations, exceed all those expectations. Nobody was cutting them any slack in year two. So for the Giants, if you're going to have a bad year, and I I would think that they're going to, this is the time to have it. There'll be more of a honeymoon period now than there will be later. Here's Brian Dayball on Saquon Barkley. He's been good. Uh, He's been able to do everything we've asked him to do. Uh, Run to different runs when we're doing them. Those are more walkthrough relative to how camp is, is being played. But... The routes we're asking him to run, his quickness, his ability to get in and out of breaks, his long speed, uh, it's all looked good. Yeah, I see a talented player. I'm glad he's on our team. You know, look forward to working with him. He's been great uh, since I've been here, just on the field, you know, running around. It's, it's been impressive. Now, again, we got to go out there and do it with pads and, and under some pressure. But everything we've asked him to do at this point, Jordan, he's, he's done a really nice job. Boy, you know what? Why, why can't a coach be honest? You know, he's been awful. I haven't liked anything I've seen from him. He looks slow. He looks sluggish. That guy's a disaster. Oh, my God, what a mess. He can't cut. No. I mean, it's just brutal. I mean, what do we expect for him to say? Yeah. Yeah, But you have to ask the question. Once again, I'm not picking on Jordan Run-On. He's got to ask the question. But I'm just curious as to, you know, what does he – but I will say this, Gordon. He did say, now we have to see what goes on in pads. So he did put a He did put a caveat on it. Yep, absolutely. He did, which is good. So, you know, I I respect that. I respect that. Gordon, listen, there's no question that when Kadaris Toney was available, he made his impact on this team. He was a speed guy. He was a guy who who was great over the middle. He was a guy who showed some separation. He was a guy who made big plays. The problem was he wasn't on the field very much, and – I'm very curious with his absence. And once again, we understand that OTAs are voluntary until they aren't. When you have a new coach in the new system, it's a really good idea to show up. <laughs> Especially after you've had the rookie year that he had where it was always something. And it, I mean, it, you know, think about all the times we spent either complaining or defending Odell Beckham. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Odell Beckham did not have a year with the amount of incidents that Kadarius Tony did. I mean, it started right away in training. He had something wrong with his cleats. It was one thing here. And you're right. I mean, we all think, well, he showed flashes last year when he played. He had one awesome game against Dallas, which he got kicked out of, right? I think he mm-hmm. got kicked out I of so. throwing a punch. Yeah. And then he had the New Orleans game where he was really good there as well. 
But outside of that, there wasn't a whole lot of production. So, yeah, he's got, I mean, the giant, we keep saying it, this guy's got, Daniel Jones has got a lot to prove. Saquon Barkley's got a lot to prove. Kadarius Toney's got a lot to prove. And the first thing you would like to think is that his head is in the right place and he is focused on, you know, showing that this is serious to him and that he is not just an unbelievable talent because he clearly has God-given talent, but that he's an unbelievable player and he's willing to put in the work that's necessary. Hell, Kenny Galladay's got a lot to prove. <laughs> I mean, we could. I mean, we could spend the whole night doing this, right? I mean, there's a lot of guys who got a lot to prove. Definitely so. Let's go to the phones. Dave's in Westchester. Dave, start us off on 98.7 ESPN. What's going on, guys? Dave, what's going on, pal? All right. Well, you know, I'm, I, I want to say a couple things about Daniel Jones, but let me just touch on Barkley real quick. Uh, you know, when he was drafted. You know, 50-50, I feel like. Some people were, weren't were sure that was a good time to take a running back. The rest of us had sights of Barry Sanders and some of the greatest running backs of all time joining our team and whatever, you know. And unfortunately, injuries haven't led him to be able to do what, what he needs to do. But at the end of the day, we just can't pay $15 million a year. If he goes out and, and has 2,200 yards, you know, all-purpose yards, and looks like a star, we can't pay him. We just can't do it. And, and how many teams have won Super Bowls in the last 20 years that have shown us you don't need star running backs, you can find quality in the third and fourth rounds. It's just a waste of money. As much as I love him, he's a great kid, and, and he's extremely talented, it just, it's not going to be worth it. So we got to hope that he goes out there and bangs right from the jump so we can trade him, hopefully, smartly, and get something for him midway through the season because somebody's going to want to add a piece to try and make a run. I think we can, we can hopefully offer it if he stays healthy and does his thing. Uh, Daniel Jones, let me just be real clear. It, it's, it's the turnovers for me. All right. I want, I wish him all the success in the world and I wish it on another team. The last thing I want to see is unless Daniel Jones goes out there and shows me 40 touchdowns and 4,500 yards and 10 picks and 600 yards rushing and a couple of rushing touchdowns, I want nothing to do with him. Don't, don't go out there and have a, a you know, 3,700-yard season with maybe 29 or 32 touchdowns and 17 picks and a couple of fumbles and, you know, a couple of cool runs. And, and I really don't want that. I don't want to end up, you know, 9 and, and 8 and have them even think that maybe we should give this kid $30 million a year because that's what it's going to take, right? 30, 35, 40. That's the going rate for a quarterback now. How can you justify that? You Unless he goes out there and has an MVP season, you cannot justify paying this kid. So show me six wins and a decent draft pick, and, and let's keep it moving. I hear you, Dave. Thanks for the phone call. Listen, you don't have to worry. If, 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 if his numbers are pedestrian, you don't have to worry. He will not be back. <laughs> There's no way. He's yeah. not coming back. Yeah, if he puts up any numbers close to what he has done the last couple of years, that that's clear cut. But I think that that's – you know, it's weird. I can kind of understand what he's saying because, like, being in the middle ground is the worst place to be. You want it to be clear-cut either absolutely yes or absolutely no because a lot of teams can fool themselves into thinking, well, you know what, maybe he's not so bad. Maybe if we do this, maybe if we do that. And you think about teams that, you know, uh, Marcus Mariota, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's just good enough to make you think he can, but he never really does. And Marcus Mariota had far more success than Daniel Jones has had. I'm just using him as an example. But, yeah, I understand what he's saying. Like, you don't want to be in the middle. You don't want to be questioning it. You you want it to be clear-cut. It's almost like being horrible is actually better than being pretty good. 
<laughs> yeah, you want him to be like the Giants quarterbacks were last season. Right. <laughs> oh, it can't. It will ne- I mean, it will never be. I mean, it was work. That was work. You know, we always say like when people ask you what you do for a living. Oh, well, that it's not work. It's 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 what I would be doing anywhere. Mm-hmm. Last year, watching the Giants' offense, that was work. That was. was work watching that because that was abominable. It, was. it really was. It really was. So there's always every time there's a new coach, Gordon on a new team, he brings some of his old guys with him, right? Kind of keep an eye on the locker room, set the tone, make sure his mindset is the way it is, you know, that there's synergy, right? Well, John Feliciano played center for the Buffalo Bills, and he was asked, so far, is Brian Debo the same guy he was in Buffalo that he's so far been here with the Giants? 100%. 100%. It's uh, I was in Buffalo this weekend, and I was with a couple of the guys, and they were asking about Debs. Coaches, when they get uh, their first head coaching job, sometimes change and try to be someone else and someone they're not. Um, and Dave's, that hasn't happened. He's, <laughs> I think he kind of doubled down on being Dave's. I was going to say a dirtbag from Buffalo, but yeah. Dave's. I was going to ask you, what, what is Dave's? Is it a dirtbag in Buffalo. Dirt yeah. Why, why is that good for a head coach? You think the head coach? Yeah, I mean, I think he's just authentic. He's he's gonna shoot it to you straight, and he's gonna be out here and have juice and, and have fun, and and um, he's okay with people making mistakes as long as you make them full speed, and as long as they don't become a, a habit. You know what I'm saying? So that freedom as a player and and his juice is just all combined into being being a happy player. Gordon, I don't know that I've ever heard a coach referred to as a dirtbag in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand what he's saying. Uh, it might not sound the nicest thing in the world, but <laughs> I, I get what he's saying. I think that's, you know, he's a guy that's going to get down in the trenches. He's going to do the dirty work, right? I mean, he's not, mm-hmm. uh, he's, not, he's not Pat Riley of the NFL standing on the sidelines and the nice suit and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. He's going to get his hands dirty. So I get what he's saying. I don't know necessarily that that would be the guy I would be uh, asking for a letter of recommendation in the future, but... I get what he's saying. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I don't know if I, I don't know if he'll even get one after no. he hears those comments about that. But you know, it is interesting. And what's going to be interesting is okay. That's the way it is now. How does it change when the season starts, Gordon? Right? How does it change when we're getting serious? How how does he change? And the other interesting thing for me is okay. Players look at assistance differently than the head coach and you can have and I've talked to a number of players about this and I'll give you one example the player will remain remain nameless this was an assistant coach who got moved to a head coach because of a firing and one of the players said man I don't have to listen to him I was playing around with him when he was an assistant he, he don't have no power I don't have to worry about him as the head coach you know, we, 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 we all do what we were going to do before because, you know, we're all cool. And so not saying that it's that way with Dayball because he's in a different place, right? He's in a new city, new team. But for former players, it is a little different from looking at your, your head coach as an assistant and now the head coach because it's, it's different, right? There's more at stake. There's more responsibility. There's just a lot of things differently. So I'm very curious to see how he will make the adjustment with the, with the former players that he's got on this team or players that he has coached over the years and how they relate to him once he is a, 
once he takes the regular season head coaching job. Yeah, uh, and I mean, no, none of us know what kind of head coach he will be. He's been a, he's been around for a long time. He's had some success in places. He's 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 struggled in others as a as an offensive coach. Um, you know, sometimes the offense has been great, like in Buffalo. Sometimes maybe not so much. So, but anytime a guy takes the job, you know, the head coaching job or the managerial job, it's you don't really know until they go out there and do it. So he doesn't have a great situation. That's why these jobs become available. So I, I think the one thing about, and it kind of goes back to that comment that he made that like he's still the same guy he was in Buffalo. That's one thing you want to see, like that the guy didn't change his personality. Like we saw, you remember Ben McAdoo, the year one, yes. the year two, you know, <laughs> like that, Pat Riley. Yeah, you know, yeah, speaking of right, right. With uh, the slick back hair. Right, year two. yeah. I mean, it just, um, it was just, it was just strange. It just came across as being uh, fake. And that, I mean, I don't think there's anything worse you can be than looked at as a phony or insincere. Um, so the fact that he's saying he's still the same guy, he's just the head coach now, I think that that's a positive. He's, he's going about it the same way. Absolutely. Jose's in Newark. Hey, Jose, you're next on 98.7. Hey, guys, how you doing? Good evening. Hey, Jose. So I'm a Jet fan, first of all, and, and we have our own questions in terms of our quarterback. Um, we have to find out if this kid, you know, this kid has to prove himself. In terms of Danny Jones, I just honestly, I, 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 a lot of the tone has been, you know, should the Giants want him after this year? I, if I were Danny Jones, I don't know if I would want to be a Giant. I mean, here's a kid who gets picked super high in the draft. No fault is, I'm sure he's happy he was picked that high. You know, poor coaching around him. No real, no real foundation. No protection. Uh, a slew of different receivers he had to throw to no tight end his running back was supposed to be a safety valve is hurt most of the time and you know I, I just don't understand how this kid was supposed to be successful um I see talent there he showed glimpses of really being able to be a good quarterback in certain games I just don't see I think it's more organizational than whether this kid has it or not he just really hasn't had a chance to really flourish because he hasn't had any foundation around him and no support around him so, you know, again, I'm a Jets fan. I'm indifferent to the Giants. I root for them. I'm a New York everything kind of guy. If my guys aren't there and the Giants are doing good, it's not the worst thing in the world. But if I were Danny Jones, I would probably question, you know, even if you would want me, do I want to stay there unless you could prove that, um, you know, I could flourish there. I mean, the kid's pretty young. And, you know, again, I think he's shown that he can do well. But the frustrating thing is, He's never been put in in a place where you could really judge him fairly. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's well, pretty I'll much been my take in the, in the season he's been there. All right. Thanks for the phone call. I'll say this. And I've had this discussions, and this is how I look at quarterbacks overall, Gordon. I know that he doesn't control who's around him or anything like that. He doesn't control the offensive line. But there are things that he does control. He controls holding on to the football. He controls decision-making. He can, so the things that he can control, he has not done a good job in controlling them. I mean, he has lost the ball with nobody around him on a number of occasions. Uh, yes, you are correct. The offensive line has not been great. True. His receivers have been inconsistent. Sterling Shepard's been almost as injured, injured as much almost as Daniel Jones has been. So, yeah, and, and listen, we understand about the inconsistencies at tight end. So, yes, the Giants have not done a great job. 
But Gordon, he is not with what he's able to do. He's not done a great job either. No, uh, and and one of the reasons why the quarterback gets picked so high, and, and and it's the first three picks of the draft, everybody gets overdrafted, including Jones, is that that position. If you're good at that position, it's supposed to cover up a lot of the other failures of the team. So uh, I get what he's saying. It's It's been an organization that's been a mess. They have not had good coaching. They've not had good players around them. But I don't know that there's, a, you know, what other team is banging down the door to get Daniel Jones after yeah. this season, right? Like the team that took him sixth in the draft, the only team that was going to take him that high. If they've, if they've you know, the ship has sailed on them, with him, I don't know where he's going that anyone else is going to say, you know what, we're going to bring in Daniel Jones, and that's going to solve our quarterback issues. So, Gordon, just a couple of uh, baseball updates. Um, this is according to Anthony DeComo. No breaks, no fractures for Peter Alonzo. His hand is merely swollen. For now, it's a true day-to-day situation. Quoting Pete, I'm kind of surprised in the good way how it feels today. And uh, Starling Marte spoke to the Latin media and said that he doesn't think he'll go on the IL. He should be back in a couple of days. He's almost he's day to day as well. So, aren't we all right? Dodge the bullet. Now, if this were the old Met doctors, I'm like, oh god, <laughs> right? <laughs> Three weeks for the now. Oh, actually, it's it's completely broken. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or either either the old Met doctors or Degrom. Because you know the grump. I'm great. I'm ready to come back. Uh, No, you're not. (laughs) No, not quite. Not quite, young fella. You're not ready to come back yet. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. So the Mets and Padres will get underway. Oh, in about another hour and change, uh, you've got Chris Bassett and Sean Minaya on the mound. Uh, They will battle each other. And, uh, you know, you got Archer and Nasty Nestor on the mound in Minnesota. See if the Yankees can keep it going, right? Oh, they should be able to. It's the Twins. It is the Twins. They Listen, have had some good success against the Twins in the past. Even Aaron Hicks hits against the Twins. He doesn't hit against anybody else. It, hits it against was the fun. Twins. There was a cut <laughs> after last night's game where they were asking Boone about the offense, and he's like, well, you know, well, this guy hit and that guy hurt. He's like, Hicks Hicks had hits. Uh, Joey Gallo had hits <laughs> at the bottom of the order. He's like, whoa, know. look at this. That's all you need to know. Exactly. That's all. <laughs> you know what? If if Hicks, if Hicksy, yeah, and JG played against Minnesota at the time, they'd be asking for Aaron Judge money. <laughs> can, can can I just touch on that for a second? Sure, go ahead. Because every day I hear another, th- you know, people shows talking about, uh, you know, well, what would the, you know, Steinbrenner is going to have to do this, and Steinbrenner is going to have to do that. The Yankees are costing themselves a lot of money by not having to judge signed at this point, all this type of stuff. There's nothing to do at this point. He has made it clear he does not want to talk about the contract during the season. It's during the season. The Yankees missed their window to sign it before the year. They made a, a competitive offer. It's obviously not going to be the offer he accepts if he keeps playing like this. But there's nothing to do. I don't know why people are like, well, the Yankees got to do this. There's nothing left to do at this point. They just have to kind of wait it out and see. And, and the other thing is, all these people are having opinions about the Yankees got to do this. Does anybody anywhere have any idea what Aaron Judge actually wants? Has that leaked anywhere? Does anybody have a real feel for Aaron Judge wants this? Probably his agent would be the only person. That would be Him the only person, agent. right? And mm-hmm. and I think it's going to change based on when he gets to free agency. Because if some, he might be looking, I want 
325 million. If somebody comes out and says, you know what, we're going to give you 400, all of a sudden his demands have changed. So I, there's nothing. I get that it's a big story and everybody wants to talk about Aaron Judge and the contracts there. There's nothing to talk about with the contract because he doesn't want to talk about it right now. Well, the reason why we're all talking about this, Gordon, is because, as Buster only said on KJM this morning, how closely we're watching him because of his performance. Listen to Buster. I think he'll get over $300 million because I think there will be an owner inspired by the idea of having that guy be the face of the franchise. And who knows, maybe in the end it will be Hal Steinbrenner. Well, he'll say, you know what, white flag, Aaron, you bet on yourself and guess what, you win. We want you to continue with the Yankees. Or maybe it's the owner of the Giants or maybe some other team that's got a lot of payroll flexibility. This is going to be the most talked about story if he can stay healthy for the last two months of the year. If he's going to have a shot to hit over 60 homers because there's guys who've done it in the past since 1998 mark mcguire sammy sosa barry bonds are all have been linked to peds and so there'll be a core of fans who will still view 60 61 as really special numbers and the the sporting world i think will pay attention to this so that's an interesting conversation in itself gordon because is this the if, if if he should break it right if he should break it this year if he should go past 60 61 do we look at that as the legitimate one? What do we say about that? What, what do we say about that single season with all that? Like Buster said, the others were linked to questions. There's questions around. Nothing proven, okay? But there's questions. How do we look at Judge? How do we look at that record? I, I think it's still, unfortunately, it is what it is. Uh, you know, baseball benefited. Everybody benefited. The pitchers were on stuff. The hitters were on stuff. Bonds was best when... Nobody was using anything. Bonds was the best when everybody was using something. So, uh, unfortunately, we all saw it, right? Like, yeah. it would be one thing if this happened in the days of Babe Ruth and somebody hit 73 home runs. I think it would be easier to discount it if that were the case. The fact right. that we all watched it not that long ago, uh, I think it's kind of hard to say, well, this is now going to be the legitimate home run record when we were all there, we all took part in it, and we all know what happened. Here's more. Here's Buster on Greeny about the judge's contract situation, just to make Gordon a little bit more. <laughs> right, because you could sign with another franchise. Maybe there's an owner out there who's going to be willing to give Judge you know, more money than the Yankees are willing to offer, but because he's going to be so expensive, it's going to cut into what else the team can do. The Yankees, generally speaking, you know, will have a lot of great players. Aaron knows as long as he's with this team, he's going to have a chance to win. They hadn't had a losing season in about 30 years. You know, that, that means something, having an opportunity to be in the playoffs. That all said, the fact that he turned down an offer that when you talk to folks on the union side, when you talk to agents, you talk to you know, general managers, they felt that the Yankees' offer was fair. The Yankees didn't come in and try to blow him away, but they didn't go short with an embarrassing offer like the Red Sox did with Xander Bogarts either. The Yankees came in, made a fair offer, and Aaron Judge like, no, I think I can do a lot more. And the way he's going right now, my goodness. <laughs> the fact that we're going to spend the last two months of the season, it appears, talking about whether or not he's going to hit 60 home runs, that price tag's only going to go up. And his bet on himself is going to turn out to pay off really well. And here's the, here's the smart thing that I think the Yankees did, Gordon, which is clear. They didn't give him their best offer. They gave no. him an offer. Right. They didn't give him their best offer because, exactly. once again, they don't know what he wants. They, so they just threw it out there. Let's see. If he takes this, no, I can do better than that. Okay, well, this is what we offered him. Okay, that's not going to get it done. So here's what we know. It's, it's, it's saving for a car, Gordon. Okay, so we're going. this is how much the car 
the car is going to be in this range. Okay, we're going to have to put some money away <laughs> because it's going to cost us some more to get the kind of car that we want. So they went, they made an offer. He turned them down. They'll wait till the end of the season. He bet on himself, which is, listen, for you as a Yankee fan and for the Yankees, that's outstanding because of the year he's having. What is he, 315, 22 home runs? He's, he's not going to cover off the ball. He's, he's the, the MVP, MVP right now. Absolutely. He's the MVP. Running uh, away. And, yeah. And, and I will say this. Unless some team offers him just stupid money, I find it hard to believe that this guy is going to do what he's doing right now. He's the face of the organization, represents the Yankees in, in, in the perfect way. He's essentially the captain of the team without being the captain, without being named captain of the team. He is still in his prime. He's going to be likely coming off an MVP type season where he hits somewhere in the, in the range of, of 60 home runs. And the Yankees are going to allow that guy to walk away for a couple of million dollars for another team. I, I just find that very hard. To, now, look, if some team offers him $350 million, well, then maybe you have to say, you know what, that's, we, we, there's a certain level that we just can't go because we look at the, you know, the way he's going to age and it's not going to be worth it. But if, if the Yankees are offering $300 million and some team is offering him three ten, I find it hard to believe the Yankees are going to allow a guy to walk away for $10 million. The Yankees will not be outbid on Aaron Judge monetarily. Years is a different story. Maybe. Years, they might have an issue. But as far as money is concerned, there's no way he is walking out that door on 161st Street and River Avenue with being told that there's we don't have enough money to sign you. I just don't see it. I don't see it. They've got a, a very, very good uh, private television cable system with Yes. Okay, they've got they got all the Yankee games on there. They got money there. They're doing well with people coming in the stands, and they're coming to see him. Okay, you're not going to let him walk out that door. And with all the conversation that people have had, not recently because the Yankees are winning, but coming into the season about well, who do we have on this team? This is not what Steinbrenner would do. This is not this. This is not that. He's the guy. He's the guy that people are coming to see. All right, they're not letting him walk away from money. Years. If he asks for 11, 10, 11 years, Gordon, right. I might be a little concerned. Sure. But for money, he's not. Then he, they will not be outbid, even by Cohen. Because the last thing they want to do is have him walk across to Queens. Oh, that, I mean, that would That's be. That's not happening. That would be That's the not happening. Yeah, that would That's be, not happening. I mean, yeah. No, no way. As it's much hard as to, I would it's like hard it, to that's believe. Not it, well, look, if if he comes out and says, you know, look, he just look at what he paid Max Scherzer, right? I mean, like yeah. if he, if the Mets come up short this year and they say, he, he, you know, there's people tell him and he thinks himself, I need that final piece, I need that big bat in the middle of the order, and Aaron Judge is there, and I'm going to spend four hundred million dollars over the next ten years. I can understand the Yankees saying, you know what, that that's just too rich, uh, and we'll find another way to put our team together. I mean, the highest paid player right now is Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. The Angels have spent plenty of money, and they haven't won anything because nope. of, uh, you know not because of that contract, but they haven't won anything with that contract. So, and that player who's an unbelievable Hall of Fame type player. So, uh, we shall see. I, I think at the end of the day, it'll all get worked out, and I don't think Aaron Judge is going anywhere. No, I don't think so either. But once again, the only concern I would have if I were a Yankee fan would be the years that he wants on that contract. Mm-hmm. That might be a danger. That might be a concern for them because of what happened with A Rod, and you saw how they responded with Robinson Cano. Who they, who they gave more money to, but Seattle gave them more years. 
Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the first A-Rod contract was fine. It was the opt-down yes. and then the second A-Rod contract. Exactly. That was where the disaster came. And then, exactly. of course, the, the Robinson Cano deal would have looked good for the Yankees if they hadn't gone around and taken that money and, and spent it on Jacoby Ellsberg. Oh, I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> I appreciate For that. you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Tony's in Manhattan. What's up, Tony? You're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. How you doing? Good. Uh, I'm, I'm always blown away by those uh, intro, that intro music you're doing. It reminds me of back in the day, uh, Bentley's and Daryl James and back in the day getting in trouble <laughs> 30 years ago. Yeah. But anyway, let me be quick on what I need to do. Yeah, um, I used to work for the Mets, and my grandfather used to work for the Yankees as a groundskeeper back in 1935, mm. right? So mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do, um, he gave me a bat, for, and I've had the bat in my possession for 49 years. It happens to be a Hillsborough, well, what's it called, a Hillsrich Bradbury 125, which is the same model that Babe Ruth used. Mm. So... What I want to do, I wanted to donate it and have uh, an appraisal and uh, get an appraisal. And, and can you help me get an auction going for this thing? So for the for the for the parents of Euclid in Texas, so so it could raise hmm. the money. Wow, that's a great idea, Tony. I'm just at a loss as to how they. Get you to uh, yeah, Tony. We're not happen. even good at finding the Peacock Network. I don't know if you want us to be the guys running the auction. You know what I'm saying? We have the, the Peacock Network. <laughs> oh. oh, you're the one. <laughs> oh, so I've been trying all y'all shows, you know, and you can't get yes, um, Michael K. You can't even get. Uh, yeah. Do you know? Okay, you know who well, Tony? Tony Mike? I think the first step you would have to do is to get it authenticated. Right. You know, there are companies exactly. that do that. Exactly. Um, you know, if you if you do a Google search of them, uh, I, I know that they have PSA. There's a company, PSA, that does baseball cards. I don't know if they do memorabilia. But if you right. fi- you have to find an authenticator that will, you know, verify that it is something from that time. And, and, and you know, that might be. I did to go do. to Steiner, know. but Steiner mm-hmm. has an automated system now. OK, there you since go. The pandemic. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you can't even get through and talk to talk to actually talk to someone. Well, did you human. try his website? Because every website now has a chat person. That's okay, I will try so again. So try the website, and at there least you they, you'll have a chat person there. And good luck with that, Tony. Thanks. And let us know what happens. Thanks for the phone call. All right. Call. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Stay thank safe. You. God bless you. So that would be that would be the way I would go. Gordon would hit the chat, and they'll, they'll right. somebody will be there, and hopefully sure. that'll help him out. Because that's a great idea, especially donating the, oh, look, donating I mean, the proceeds to absolutely. the tragedy that happened in Vivaldi. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great yeah. idea. Uh, I would not know the first thing about, yeah. you know, like I understand you got to get it authenticated first, but then actually mm-hmm. running it on. I'm sure, look, I, I'm sure if you Google it, Google has everything, people. It does. If you, if you Google it long enough, you will find what you're looking for. And, and I'm sure Jeff Bezos has a way that you could probably authenticate it. A kit that comes next day. If he doesn't, he, he's <laughs> listening right now, Larry. He's saying, wait a second, I can make an extra couple of dollars that way. <laughs> There's a kit that comes to your house. Right, exactly. <laughs> comes right to your house the next day. No matter what you want. Harmonica, bang. Uh, Hawaiian shirt, bang. That's you it. need it's something right to get the, 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 uh, the string out of your, your sweatpants, you know, because it gets got stuck it. in the bang. He got, he got, got everything, that guy. He has it all. He, he has, has it all. all. He's, he's something else. Including all the money. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Gordon, how good are the Yankees? Well, here's what Buster Olney thinks. He was on Greeny. 
as a scary team. And look, I covered the 98 Yankees for the New York Times. I'm not ready to put them on that pedestal yet because when I look at this year's team, the, the one thing that uh, we've seen so far is that whole question of if they stay healthy, they've been generally remarkable, right? I, I mean, to run out all those starting pitchers, Jamison Tyon with his injury history, he's been out there rock solid. Same thing with Luis Severino. You know, the depth in that group has been tremendous. They've been able to overcome the injuries they've had on the, and issues they've had with their bullpen. And here's what should be really, really scary for the other teams in the American League East is that when you look at this team and say, okay, here are the potential problems, they're fixable. It's not like you're saying they need a number one starter and where do you find somebody like that? You've got issues with Joey Gallo and his offense. You've got issues with Aaron Hicks and his offense. You can go find those pieces. You can call the Kansas City Royals and say, hey, you know, what do you want for Andrew Benintendi? That's pretty frightening for the other teams. But the Yankees off to just a phenomenal start. Aaron Judge, big bet on himself paying off so well. Would you take Benintendi right now? Uh, I mean, it would depend on what I have to give up. Can I give up Joey Gallo? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I give up Joey Gallo, yeah. I mean, he's a guy, he's, he's interesting. That's the kind of bat I would like somebody who's going to make some contact, um, you know, lefty, uh, as well. So that, that would be intriguing to me. They'll look there. You know, I, I agree with Buster. I think it's very fixable. Uh, the areas are glaring of, of a couple of guys who have not hit at all really so far this year. I still have faith to a certain degree that Gallo will be better than this at some point. I don't have that same faith in Aaron Hicks, but uh, we shall see. Look, I don't think that the Yankees are going to sit on their hands at the trade deadline if those two guys are still doing then what they're doing now. No, one of them will be gone. Yeah. Or maybe both, but definitely one. Definitely one would be gone. And and I would think it would be Gallo. Only because Hicks is a switch hitter. I, I think he's got more value. If you could get him going, I, th- I think he's got more value to you. He could play center field, which Gallo doesn't want to. I I think I think it's just look it's it's the best of the worst I get it but I I would give a slight edge to Hicks just me. Uh, I don't know I I think you probably could get rid of Gallo easier because he's not going to have much of I think this is his final year of his contract Hicks still has a couple of years left and I, I just don't know physically whether or not Aaron Hicks uh, can hit anymore uh, I think mm. that those surgeries he just does not display any power at all. Uh, and that contract is not where it, it was actually a bargain at the time, 10 million bucks for a, yeah. for a starting outfielder. It was not a bad deal at the time, but he has just been hurt so much. And I, I just don't have a whole high level of faith that all of a sudden at some point this year, all of a sudden, does he still have two extra base hits the whole year? I think he I still think has two extra base hits the entire season. That's scary. As, almost as scary as the insurance company. Like, thank God he's playing because we're going broke paying him. Yeah. <laughs> With all <Oof>. these injuries. <laughs> yeah, he's missed a lot of time. And, he sure um, has. Seasons. Know. Yeah. I, I, I just he think leaves, he doesn't come back. No. Like some people come no. back from yeah, the, no. the, the IL. He doesn't come back. He's gone. Done. The only thing I would say about the comparison to the 98 Yankees, the the 98 mm-hmm. Yankees to me were far more balanced yes. in terms of offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't just the one guy. Right. If if Judge were ever to go down, that would be the absolute uh-oh moment because yeah. may, maybe they could still survive, you know, depending on how long he would be out. But mm-hmm. 
you know, that, that, that 98 Yankee team with O'Neill and Tino and Jeter. And I mean, Bernie was, was sensational then, you know, I mean, and the bench they had with, with, um, with Reigns off the bench and strawberry off the, I mean, they were just absolutely stacked. Brocious at third. Right. Brocious, that unbelievable season. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, so, uh, and the other thing about that team, not relying on the home run like this team is. No, it was a different game back then, right? Yeah, it was a different, different game back then. Yeah, it was totally different. It was totally different. All right, so Buster has waxed poetic about the Yankees. Let's see what he says about the Mets. Well, there's no question they're benefiting from the depth that you're going to get when you spend the kind of money that Steve Cohen spends, right? For years, with Mets ownership, we always wondered, would they you know, put out the extra dollars, fill out the bottom of the lineup to plug in holes? That hasn't been an issue. And so, you know, Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, those guys aren't superstar players, but they're really good major leaguers. And that depth is especially helped out with the rotation that they put together to make the trade for Bassett. So during this time since Max went down, sure, they're 13 and five. <laughs> I mean, think about that. They don't have Jacob DeGrom pitching. They don't have Max Scherzer pitching. And they've won 13 of their last 18 games. You know that when we get close to the trade deadline, Steve Cohen's going to tell Billy Epler, we'll give you what you need. And there's no doubt. And Chris, you know far more about this than I do. It's clear that they have a great culture to the point that last week when Jacob DeGrom was at City Field and, and uh, rejoining his teammates as he resumed his throwing program in New York, what the takeaway was from people who talked with him was he can't wait to join this group. Like, he can't wait to be a part of what they have because they're having a blast. Like, all these great veteran players that they added, Buck Showalter, the coaching staff, it's a fun team. He's like, run support. That's what he's looking at. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, the amount of runs they score, even with, you know, some of the guys out of the lineup, so... Yeah, I would think he would be excited to join any team at this point because it's been so <laughs> really? long, right? <laughs> you would think. You really would think so. You really, really would think so. By the way, before the game, Buck Showalter met with the media, Gordon, and he was asked, are you optimistic that both Pete and Marte uh, will miss the IL? We'll see. You know, it's, it's positive news today as, as we could hope to get, but uh... – We'll play them both by ear. You know, it's kind of a day-to-day thing. You know, initially I was talking to Pete about maybe he could be in uniform and be a camouflage late in the game, see if you can – I don't think anybody would – I know Bob wouldn't bite on that one. But, uh, no, we feel fortunate today, other than not having the players today, with the off day tomorrow, kind of see how things progress. You know, I've, I've got an idea where they're going to, you know, potentially end up, but – you know, we'll lean on the players and the medical team. Listen, the Bobby Valentine can sit in the dugout with a with a mustache after he's been thrown out of a game. Why not put Alonzo there to make to make people think that he's available to hit? Yeah, why not? Right? Deception. Yeah, of course. Buck knows about that. I'm of sure he does. See, that's why I like he's Buck. always thinking, Gordon. Always thinking. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, Pete, is this something you could avoid the IL with? I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of surprised in a good way uh, how it feels today. I mean, it's it's going to be. Uh, I mean, I just think that maybe in a day or two we'll we'll kind of know where we're at uh, from the longevity of this thing. But um, woke up today feeling better than I thought I would, and um, treatment's going pretty well. So, um, I mean, we'll, we'll see. You know, um, I don't want to necessarily put 
necessarily terms on it, but uh, pleasantly surprised today. And uh, we're just going to keep attacking the rehab and the strengthening and just trying to keep the swelling out. And um, and when, when the swelling goes out, the pain will go away. And um, it's just a matter, matter of time, but we'll see how, how quickly this thing recovers. Don't rush him back. That's all I got to say, Gordon. Don't well, I mean, rush him back. Just know that if he comes back and he goes away, he stays away, mm-hmm. right? Like if he comes back at the end of this month and has something else pop up, the chances of him pitching again this season are pretty minimal. Yep. Yep. There's no question. So relax on the Grom, relax on Scherzer. Don't rush Pete Alonso back, even though I know it's just his hand is just swollen. It's okay. J.D. Davis. Did very well at first base offensively last night. Well, nobody did really well offensively right. last no, night, but he got a couple of hits. He played defense well. If 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 there's going to be a long time, you could always call Dom Smith back up. Okay, it's all right. Do not rush these guys back. This is bigger than this. Okay, it's bigger than right now. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer.